Welcome to the Uniformed Handball Hour. It's Brian Campion here and Chris O'Reilly is in the house. And if you didn't know, the Women's World Championship is starting this Wednesday. I don't know where that came from, but it's come out of nowhere and we're all a bit surprised, but there is a World Championship on the horizon. And we're here to bring you our first preview podcast. And I'd just like to start off by congratulating Norway on their fifth uh, World Championship title uh, this year. Chris, (laughs) how are you doing? (laughs) No, Brian. Not happening. Not happening. (laughs) I'm not sure, actually. I'm not sure. I'm definitely not as sure as I normally would be about Norway. I feel like that squad is definitely has a few miles in the tank now, doesn't it? It does. And uh, if you are a fan of ours on Patreon, you would have heard last week uh, on the Morning Club, Alex and I touch on one one topic or one sore point for Norway coming into this championship that could be a problem for them, and that is their goalkeeper department. So we'll talk more, a little bit more about Norway in our next preview podcast. But Katrina Lunda. A serious doubt for the whole tournament. Uh, Solberg is out as well. So they have to go deep into the the books and get uh, Chesima Bucharesti goalkeeper Marie Davidson in. And that's really, like, that's really struggling, isn't it? When you can only get a, a Chesima player in as your first <laughs> choice goalkeeper. Uh, it just shows the incredible depth that, uh, that Norway has. But yeah, I mean, not the usual players they're, they're used to having. And speaking of Patreon... Alex Kulesh isn't here, but uh, he'd kill us if we didn't say that this is the perfect time to sign up on Patreon because uh, we're going to do extra coverage of the Women's World Championship and the Men's Euro in January. A great time to, to check it out if you haven't already and uh, test it with us for a month or two and see if you like it. But we're going to talk mostly about uh, groups E to H this time around. Uh, the Women's World Championship has 32 teams in it, divided into eight groups of four. Top three teams go into the main round. Then there's four main round groups of six. The top two of those go into the quarterfinals. Then we finally get some knockout handball in a, a couple of weeks' time. But with uh, any World Championship or any tournament of this size as well, you see a lot of disparity between the top teams and the bottom teams. That can cause for some really interesting games, some great stories, but also some... Uh, some not so great uh, score lines as well, and uh, we're going to get Lara Jaina in with us uh, from Playmaker Women's Handball, uh, joining us from Buenos Aires before she flies over to Denmark to talk about the South American teams that are competing. But groups E, F, G, and H, Brian, uh, E and F in particular, really stand out to me as, as potentially like the. Well, if, if, if there wasn't a case of three teams qualifying, you'd call them a group of death. But in terms of the long road, looking ahead to qualifying for the quarterfinals, it's uh, one hell of a pair of groups. Denmark, Romania, Serbia, Chile. In Group E, Germany, Poland, Japan and Iran. In Group F, they're going to meet in the main round, six of those teams. And that's going to be a spicy quarter of the draw. Denmark, you'd imagine, are, are some, somewhere in the podium uh, favourites. Uh, Romania, this is probably Christina Niago's maybe last world championship. Uh, no, but definitely her last world yeah. championship. 
Potentially um, her last ever international games. Yeah. And Serbia obviously had huge turnover, a bit of a younger squad this time out. So kind of a, a fresh look for them. I'd imagine it will finish in, in probably in that order, Denmark and Romania and then Serbia. But we'll see. We don't know. I mean, Serbia, when they come to the final tournaments, you don't know what you're going to get sometimes because um, they have that that fight in them. Uh, Group F then, I mean, Germany, Poland, uh, obviously a massive rivalry there. And Japan have looked really, really good in qualification. They beat, they beat obviously, Argentina. And they beat Serbia 20, uh, 38-22. So a bit of a whooping there. In the so warm-up Japan, matches, not, not in the warm-up matches. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, did I qualify? In the warm-up matches, sorry, not a qualification. That qualification wouldn't make any sense. Japan playing Serbia. That's <laughs> <laughs> some sort of wild card tournament. Um, but uh, so Japan looking at, looking looking uh, pretty yeah. good coming into this, and I think going on from we've seen some Japan play in the past as well. It's going to be some electric handball, some good one against one stuff. You know, we had uh, on our discord for the the patreon fans uh we asked people to give us a, a couple of questions and one of them was uh from luke naylor who asked uh who we think the dark horse teams could be uh any teams can kind of the middle pack but looking at japan and those pre-championship results i mean you have to take them with a grain of salt of course as we always say it and then never do but uh in japan we're not far away from getting into the quarterfinals last time. They finished in a third in the group in the main round behind uh, Spain and Brazil. And I think after those results over the weekend, uh, Germany and Poland in particular will be uh, sweating a little bit with this kind of unknown quantity coming at them because there's one or two players playing in Europe, one in uh, in Germany with uh, Borussia Dortmund. And uh, that is uh, Haruno Sasaki. But besides that, it's uh, yeah, a lot of players based in Japan. And you never know what's going to come at you. Yeah, you never know. And you don't, never know, especially you don't want a team like Japan coming in and setting the pace of the game earlier on, early on. Yeah. When I mean, sometimes these tournaments are designed that you can make a few mistakes, but you don't want that, that Japanese team all over you early on and outpacing you. That could be a, a bit of a disaster. One other thing on, on Group F... Um, there's that Germany-Poland. You mentioned a rivalry there. But uh, also, remember, Germany basically kicked Poland out of the Euro last year. By uh, Spain kicked Poland out and gave the spot to Germany because it would have been better for them in the main round. So uh, they were literally handed a spot into the main round. Poland, uh, having worked so hard to basically justify their spot, were uh, thrown out by Spain. Yeah, no love lost, I would say, in that one as well. Uh, Poland looking for a little bit of, a real bit of revenge uh, against the Germans. That one, probably Germany coming to it favourite still. And then, yeah, you have to say a toss-up between Japan and Poland for second place. We have a guest today, Chris. We do. I mentioned at the top of the show that Laura Jaina coming in to join us, and I think it's a perfect time to, to bring her in to speak uh, about the four South American teams participating, and in particular... Brazil and Argentina in groups G and H. So let's bring Laura in. Laura, Jaina, you're very welcome to the podcast. Great to have you back. And we're speaking to you on Monday evening. And tomorrow you're flying over to Denmark. Are you excited for the World Championship? Yes, I'm very excited, but I'm less prepared than I've ever been, but not less excited for that. But yes, I'm flying tomorrow. Nice. And where are you going to be? I'll be in Fredrikshavn. 
covering um, Argentina's group. And also the good thing is that uh, Brazil's and Spain's group is also there. So I won't have three days, but that, that's what I'm going. So I don't need days off. We were talking about it beforehand, but I feel like the build up to this world championship was very, very low key. I don't know what you think, but it feels like it just kind of all of a sudden came out of nowhere. Yeah, well, it, it feels like that for me as well, but also because I've been working at the Pan American Games, I haven't really had time to do other things or to sit down and even watch the Champions League. So that's that's a bit of a bummer for me. Do you feel the same way? Yes. Yeah, it's really, yeah. It's really snuck up on us, you could say, but uh, I think it's... A little bit to do with all the other tournaments going on, but just, yeah. And it's, a, it's tricky because the champion will actually get a qualification for the Olympic Games and also will we'll, we'll know the rest of the teams that will take part of the pre-Olympic qualification tournament. So it's, it should be one of the most important uh, world championships. Yeah, and we spoke a little bit about that as well. Like the, There's so much on the line here. It's the end of a generation for a lot of teams um, as well, uh, as it always is with the kind of the Olympic cycle coming around. Uh, but from your perspective, then, before we dive into those uh, those two groups in particular, um, what do you think are the like the big headlines for uh, for people heading into this world championship? What are what gets you excited about this and what are you looking forward to see unfold? Well, the fact that Norway gets to be a host after failing in 2020 because of the pandemics, they actually get to play in Norway. Um, because, of course, you remember well in the 2020 Euro, it was only played in, in Denmark, so it was empty holes. And it was sad because I think uh, everyone in Scandinavia is waiting for this type of tournament. So after so long, being able to be hosts will be interesting. Also, they're defending champions. So that also makes it more exciting. And for some reason, there has always been this um, conversations around the players who are coming to a certain age. And we've, we've heard in the past, Heidi Loka saying that if she's 50, she, she's fit to play, she will do it. And I think the same is for the other players. But for some reason, we, we come to this point where we're thinking, oh, maybe this could be Perrin's last world championship or Lunde's last world championship. And now someone's saying, I read an article saying that this could be Stine Oftedal's last world championship. And that is, I don't like that. And also, if, if you think about that, Stine is also the same age as North American, both uh, Solberg. And um, we also not seeing Christiansen in this world championship after, of course, she's, she's just come back from motherhood. But it's weird. And I think it would be exciting for Norway to be able to play at home. Um, finally, even even if the final week is not played in, in Norway, but they will finally get to play in their home uh, country, and it could be interesting to see if if they can pull this off. Should we start then, maybe with your your group? So the one you're you're flying out there for Group H: Netherlands, Czechia, Argentina, and Congo. Maybe could you start by maybe painting us a bit of a picture of what the state of the the Argentinian women's team is at the moment and where they would be in comparison to Argentinian national teams of the past. There's been a conversation about the national team here that they've performed best in Spain 
2021, despite the fact of having finished 26th, if I'm not mistaken. It was it was weird because you saw them, we saw them play their best. And I think is I think we if we talk to anyone here in Argentina, we'll we'll all agree on the fact that this is probably one of the best teams that Argentina has had, with many many players already settled in Europe. Of course, not in the big big leagues, but you have ninety percent, ninety five percent of the team actually playing in Europe at the moment, and they've played their best in in Spain twenty twenty one, and they beat. Uh, and a European team for the first time in a world championship. They made it through the May round for the first time ever as well. But they they fell short and they finished 10 positions worse than in Japan 2020, 2019 when they finished uh, 19th. Um, so it's, it's weird to say that this is Argentina's best team in history, but that that's what it looks like at the moment. And at the same time, I think that Two years ago, the way they played, it was it was very good to see. It was it was nice to see the team play like that. And two years after, I think it we're not in the same place. Uh, Argentina comes from uh, the Pan American Games when they they lost the final against Brazil, um, and they lost the Olympic qualification. Um, so the Pan American Games of Santiago twenty twenty three were. The, the step they had to take to qualify for, for Paris and Brazil beat them clearly in the final. Um, I think there's a huge difference between Argentina and, and the other teams, but it's also a big, big difference still between Brazil and Argentina. So uh, it's the clear second in the continent, um, but we're still a bit far from Brazil. And we'll, we'll see what happens in the World Championship. And also, I think uh, one of our key players, Eike Kasten, uh, who is currently in Vera Vera in, in Spain, uh, is also not in her best moment physically. So we'll see how much she manages to play. And, and also, if, if she doesn't play a few of the games, we'll see how much we depend on her or not. That will also be something interesting to see. And you, you mentioned there the final in Santiago at the Pan American Games, uh, one of the big... Kind of see footages to come out of that was Elke Carson getting that red card and the the abuse she got from the Brazilian fans, which was not in very very good taste uh, when there were what was it ten goals up at the time, but um, in a group with uh, as Brian mentioned Netherlands, uh, the Czechs and Congo in there, um, at least in terms of the second European team, uh, the Czechs are a higher level than Austria two years ago. But uh, Congo is still a great opportunity, I have to say, to to get that third place at least and uh, book a spot in the main round. For some reason, we think that we have to beat Congo. It should be like it should be like that, because to be honest, I think Argentina has been playing very well and has been playing so good that we actually even think that at some point it would be great to beat Czech Republic. Even though for me particularly, I don't think it's possible. Uh, I think it's likely that they do a very good game. And yeah, hopefully, of, of course, I'm, I'm hoping for them to win, but I don't think it's so possible. But when you start discussing with the big teams, I think it's we have to beat a team like Congo with all due respect. But uh, we are, we, if we are aiming for bigger results, then, then Congo should be the team that, that Argentina should beat. 
And then we'll have a, a tough time against Czech Republic. And I think a lot of people who are not so um, into women's handball might think that if Czech Republic are not among the first, I don't know, 10 teams of Europe, of Europe then people would probably think it, it would be easier to beat them when we, when we used to play like Marqueta, Gerakovic. And um, it's not only her, of course, but um, her being MVP of the Final Four two years ago and now being in, in Ica's, uh with her amazing performances. I think it's it's very difficult that Argentina can beat uh, the Czech Republic, but they should be um, Congo. And I think that it, it's very good that we also get the Netherlands first. Uh, because it's one of the it's one of the games that you you know it's even more difficult to win, so if you play first, it's like a warm up, so to speak. Yeah, get it out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Before we move on to the other teams, the other South American teams, what what would you consider a success for Argentina then at at this tournament? It's also tough to see that the if you go through the main round, then the other teams would be. Spain, Brazil, and very likely Ukraine. Uh, well, I don't even know. Maybe Kazakhstan is better beat Ukraine. I don't know. But um, I think the success would be beating Congo and then being as close as possible to the Czech Republic. Grasping a, a victory against them, I think it's I think it's a bit too difficult. But it would be historic, definitely, the second time that Argentina would beat a European team in the World Championship. And then, and then in the main round, just I think for this team is about even at this point, it's it's all about gaining experience. I don't think um, they will they will go out and try to beat everyone. That's for sure. It's what every team does when they go to a world championship. But I think they also have the, their feet on on earth, and this tur- this tournament should be a preparation for the pre Olympic qualification for the Olympic qualification tournaments. Everything that you can play from now until March will be for that. That's that's what I'm thinking. Okay. But I'm not a part of the squad. Of course, they will try yeah. to go and beat even the Netherlands, and 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 that's okay. That's that's what you have to do when you are playing such a big tournament. But um, a good a good thing for Argentina will be trying to beat uh, the Czech Republic, making a serious game against them, and then see what we can do in the main round. And for the the warm up games that uh, Argentina had, they played against Japan yesterday, and they lost twenty twenty nine twenty one, and then they played against Spain two days ago, and they lost twenty six twenty. Is that the kind of results you expected, or did you maybe expect them to be a bit closer to the likes of Japan? But I think Japan seem in pretty good form at the moment. Well, they also lost against Serbia. I think that was on Friday, eighteen twenty eight. That was the first game of the of the three that they had in in Santander in Spain. I think those are the kind of results that you would expect. I, I wouldn't. I would even say that six goals behind Spain and eight goals behind Japan is not bad. But I think in, in terms of numbers, because I haven't seen the games, in terms of numbers, it's it it it, it is what it is. I mean, it's a difference that we have against teams like uh, Japan and Spain. I think I'm more surprised about Japan. They won the tournament. They they beat all three teams. Uh, they beat Serbia. They beat Spain and. And they beat Argentina, of course. And I think it's more surprising the fact that we lost four more against uh, Japan than against uh, Spain. But we also have to consider that this is our qualification, um, 
this is a warm-up tournament, and sometimes it's not a parameter for that. But that is a difference that we have with European teams or with teams like Japan. So um, I think that uh, a defeat by more than 12 goals would be worrying, so to speak. But at the end of the day, is what we're used to because this this is the quality that these teams have and we have what we have. I, I love making warm-up tournaments the parameters for everything, so that's my biggest problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I still remember uh, before the World Championship in Serbia in 2013, Brazil lost both of their games against Poland before the World Championship, and then they were undefeated in Serbia. So I think it's, it's a parameter, but at the same time, you don't have to take that much into consideration. But the coaches do have to take it into consideration to see what they have to to do to correct or whatever but um in terms of results it's no at least for me it's not worrying particularly in argentina's case if they're trying to uh to figure out a constellation without elke carson at a top fitness uh for right now but i think that that covers argentina quite well for now uh now we can go on to group g and uh we have the big dogs from uh south america in brazil who won that pan american championship and uh, in a group alongside Spain, Ukraine, and Kazakhstan, uh, where I think you already kind of alluded to it, between Ukraine and Kazakhstan, they're going to be probably fighting for for third place in the group. Where do you think Brazil are? Kind of the same question as Brian asked earlier about Argentina. Where, where do you see Brazil at the moment? It's hard to tell because I don't think we can compare the level that we have in, in Pan America with the level that Brazil has which is more tied with the European teams. They had uh, preparation games against Denmark, and even if they lost by uh, quite a few goals, that kind of tells you the the amount of respect that people have for Brazil. They've mm-hmm. played against Denmark now, but they also played against France throughout the year. They don't have friendlies uh, like the ones Argentina could get, but despite the fact that, of course, Argentina was invited to, to Spain, I think that also has to do with the good relationship that the presidents of both federations have. Uh, but still, Argentina was not invited to those tournaments before, so that also speaks well of Argentina. But going back to Brazil, I think um, speaking about the Pan American Games is not a parameter for where they are right now uh, because they beat all of their rivals with with a huge, huge, huge difference. And I think there's only one player who is not in Europe at the moment from, from the squad that is going to to Denmark. And most of the players are in very competitive leagues. I don't think it's useful, so to speak, to yeah. compare Brazil to the rest of, of Pan America. They're not one there. It's two, two steps ahead of almost everyone. What, what can you say about the team then from what, what you know at the moment? And uh, I mean, the mix of players, because there is a, a huge generational shift going on in brazil not just right now but over the last few years i think it's it's kind of it's part of the shift that that started two years ago in in spain 2021 when they also had very young players and and for example julia guarero is back there she got injured actually during a world championship in spain just back in the squad and modesti now very settled in bt time i think but they changed that they're doing for the Pan American Games is good enough for them. They still have a a very good advantage in 
comparison with the other teams. We'll see what happens in a world championship. I don't think, I haven't seen the Brazilian team, they, they, they were oiled. They like they know each other very well, and they the way they play it, it doesn't change too much. And also, yes, you lost a player like Eduardo Amorim, and you would you would think that that was uh, two years ago, but you would think that it would be difficult for them to cover that position. And right after that, um, they were sixth in the World Championship in Spain without her. So I think that. The generation of change. They actually, they, there's only two players left, uh, three players left from that world championship in in Serbia, 2013. It's Barbara it's Ana Paula, and it's Mariana Costa, the right wing. Those are the three that were champions in Serbia. The rest are new. Not even half of this team or half of the team were in Tokyo uh, two years ago in the Olympic Games. So the change has been very smooth and they don't they don't seem to uh, have any kind of problems taking responsibility and I think uh, that the old players are also very good at co make, convincing the younger ones that they are where they belong and that you know they, they, they should continue to do the things the way they're doing them. What about Chile in Group E? I mean when I think a lot of people saw them drawn to that group. Uh, it was probably one of the worst groups you could be drawn into with Denmark, Romania, and Serbia. I mean, you, you, you talked about your group in Argentina, how you should beat Congo, and maybe on a on the best day ever, you might get a draw against the Czech Republic or, or Czechia, sorry, or maybe even sneak a win in a miraculous day of handball. But it looks like for Chile in that group, it's going to be tough to see anything at all, isn't it? Yeah, it reminds me of Argentina being drawn in that group in Germany 2017 with Hungary, Norway, Sweden, <laughs> Poland, <laughs> Czech Republic it was absolutely impossible. Um, so I think, yeah, and, and also Chile is going back to a world championship after 14 years. That's a lot. And I think they also have to use this as, a, as an experience. They just got a medal in the, the South Central Junior and the youth. They, they've got um, bronze. And one of the players who were who was here in the juniors is also in the, in the squad for the world championship. But the rest of the team is also not so experienced and not so old. There are very young players on that squad, and I think they just take this as an opportunity to to grow and to um, get the chance to play against teams that will very likely go for the medals. Because I think Denmark will. So home, so they will they will want to go for medals. Yeah, it's going to be tough because it's it's really hard when when there's such a big big difference in the structure of a national team. These are players who are um, some of them are um, or yeah, some of them are playing in, in Spain already or in Italy, but they are not big big stars in the teams in the best leagues in Spain or in the best in in, in Italy as well. So. Their second division teams, which is which is great as well uh, for South American players, is very is very difficult to if you're not Brazilian or now Argentina is is very difficult to get into Europe. So the fact that some of them already have experience in stronger leagues than the ones that they have in their own country is good. But I wonder how how difficult it will be for them to recover after the defeats because I think yeah. It, 
you will very likely lose all of the games by a very by a big amount of goals, and that can mess up with your head sometimes. But I think that the fact that they're in a world championship after 14 years is a lot, also. And I think their goal should be trying to be back in world championships consistently from now on. You mentioned about Denmark uh, going for a medal. We'll ask you for the big predictions uh, in just a moment before letting you go. But just uh, uh, touching on that that topic of Chile again, because I remember two years ago, it was the first uh, Women's World Championship with 32 teams, and it was a big topic throughout, uh, not just the preliminary round, but also the main round, when there were some uh, teams that were, you know... Uh, suffering heavy defeats i think one of them i have written down when netherlands beat kazakhstan 61 15 in the main round which is uh which is pretty brutal um like do you uh, uh what, what's first of all what's your opinion on on the current concept of the tournament uh now that it's been two years since uh it was so heavily discussed and uh has it changed much since 2021 now what did i do a whole episode on that where we where we during the world championship where we spoke with coach and players from Puerto Rico which was one of the teams that, that were actually heavily defeated by Sweden and by the Netherlands as well and but got to the main round because they beat Uzbekistan but it was really interesting to see their point of view and I'll, I'll talk about Puerto Rico because it's an example that I have but they don't even have a league in their team so whenever they go to a world championship or to a tournament, they get together like two or three months before. And it's not like most of the players are also in Europe and doing their stuff. And no, they don't even have, they don't have a league and most of the players are in Puerto Rico. Sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> but, and the ones that are in Europe sometimes, well, what we've been told, they, they just prefer to work as whatever it is that they are lawyers uh, or they work in, in whatever company they work in because the, the way of living in Puerto Rico is way better than going to a second division team in Spain and earning a little money. In this particular case of Puerto Rico, they, they, they were like, they were grateful for being there and they, it's not that they didn't care about losing by so many goals, but they, for them it was a, a great experience and they were like, we watch the videos and we can uh, for the next time, we can, you know, like we're, we're playing these games where we have, where the teams have such a different speed, and they're technically they're so different. Is for us is a is a challenge. Every game is a challenge. So they were happy playing those games, and I was like, okay, but I'm 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 wondering, do you have plans of like growing or getting better at a at a certain point? You you just don't you don't want to go to just compete. But I think it really depends on the vision that these teams have. For teams like Puerto Rico or maybe Iran, it's great to just compete. And yeah. I, I say it down because it's one of the teams that I remember. Yeah. Um, not because that's what the philosophy is, but it's good yeah. to have competition like that because otherwise, and now speaking for Argentina, it's not so difficult for us to um, improve when you have players playing abroad. But when you don't have competition as a national team, it's really difficult to grow as a as a team. And it's not so often that you, because in Europe you could have friendlies with whatever if you just it's just a two hour flight to somewhere, 
for teams uh, that don't have a big competition is really difficult to grow other than taking part in this tournament. At a certain point, this was the same for Brazil as well before the World War Champions. And the fact that, well, there was a whole project for Brazil. So I know it's a, it's, it was something special for them. I think 32 teams could be a lot, but at the same time, it's a good opportunity for Humble to grow. I don't know. At the end of the day, you you want to compete for 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 a title, but at the same time, for other for other teams or for other countries, their goal is to go to a world championship, and that's probably the greatest thing they could do. So I don't think it's a bad idea, but of course, it's really boring to see a match finishing fifty or ten or something like that. Um, I was working in the South Central American Championships. Um, this past two weeks and we had teams like Nicaragua or Guatemala losing by more than 25 or 30 goals with teams like Argentina Chile or Uruguay or Argentina or Brazil so it's the same if you don't take part in these tournaments you will never grow so I think it's, it's part of the process of getting teams to um, develop better but that also depends of course on the policies and the, not the policies but the the processes that go through the federations or the the, the amount of investment that the federations uh, make on their national teams as well yeah. yeah because if it's like this every time then and the results are the same over and over again you'd have to say then it didn't work then because myself and chris and alex and over the years have been part of the Irish team where you're playing against certain teams and the gap is so big you kind of feel like okay i'm not sure we learned anything there <laughs> it's like yes. it's like the the challenge of when you when you teach kids in school at a very young age and you give them something that's too easy you know they get bored very quickly but if you give them something that's too challenging they completely lose interest because it's like the gap is too big and i see it sometimes similar as well when you're getting beaten by 30 goals in handball i, I think it's just sometimes a little bit like humiliation rather than <laughs> thing but if you're losing by 10 or like eight i think then there's a there's a there's a learning curve there um, but I think there's a point maybe of no return really also when you're getting absolutely spanked. I'll resurface my uh, my master plan for how the World Championship could be with 32 teams that I gave out two years ago, but not today. During the championship, I'll bring it out again. It's like basically you have the President's Cup first and uh, then you build up from there. Anyway, finally, Laura, uh, before we let you go, we've talked about the, the South American teams mostly. Um and I just want to get your big predictions for gold, silver, bronze, and MVP. Well, here's the thing. You know, I hate predictions, first of all. Oh, we all... Oh, we all hate them, but we all do them <laughs> all the time because they're very entertaining for everyone else. Yes. It's, it's, we're not doing this for us, Laura. We're doing it for the listeners, remember. Yeah. This is then... <laughs> for people to come after us on Twitter. Yes, exactly. Saying, exactly. Why would you say something like that? Exactly, yeah. Uh, That's the fun of it. No. Uh, oh, but uh, I would like to mention something before. And not to run away from this. Picture. It sounds like you're running away from it a bit. <laughs> Paraguay will also be there. And Paraguay ah, just got the bronze medal B, in the yes. Pan American Games in Santiago. Oh, and um, they're also a young team. And they're, for the first time, in charge of Marisa Padilla, who is also a legendary player for Paraguay. Mm-hmm. She was the only one who has played all of the other 
four world championships for Paraguay. And this is the first time they qualify back to back. And a female coach. Very few and far between. Good times. I mean, female coach, former national player coach, and a very clever center back. Um, so, and they, they, they were very good in the Pan American Games and they beat Chile in the bronze medal match. And I think it's interesting the way they play with very short but fast players. Uh, not sure what they can do against Montenegro and Hungary. I don't think too much. And and I'm wondering how that game against Cameroon will go. Yeah. Um, because physically, I think Cameroon will probably be not only bigger, but stronger. So that would be interesting to see. Um, yeah. And then going back to predictions. Um, if, if this is some of the players' last world championship, then I would like to see... Norway up top again, which is, I think this is a conversation we've had before. It's not boring to see Norway win things. Ah. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's have that conversation on the final weekend. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Norway, Norway gold, who's silver? Denmark. And I'm saying, if I say France, it's because they've been in the podium for the past world championships and European championships and stuff but France is I'm not sure okay and it is like the easy thing to do right that's so, well Norway, that's easy, Denmark, for, easy for a reason <laughs> Norway Denmark true. and France is that what you're saying oh let's do something I'll put Sweden in the third place oh. because they also play home yeah and I don't know I feel like in the past few tournaments they've been so close and yeah, it would be interesting to see them in the podium. That's and they, you have all Scandinavian teams in the podium. MVP Henny Rystar or someone else? <laughs> Yamina Roberts. Ah, I like it. I think right. Sweden. You know, Chris is going to like it. Gets very excited yeah, about it in I, Swedish. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not feeling so confident about Sweden this time around. But we'll see. World Championship, anything happens. Laura, we'll let you go. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, during the World Championship, people can follow your work on Playmaker WH, right? Yes. I think, I think Nagoda will probably be in Gothenburg. You'll probably see her there in Gothenburg. Lovely. Well, enjoy the championship, Laura. And I'll see you uh, latest in Herning for the final week. Take care. See you guys. Thank you. Thank you, Lara and Jaina, for that. Very insightful stuff from South America. And uh, now that you've heard all of that, Brian, going into groups G and H, uh, how do you think they're going to pan out? When I was preparing for this, I was kind of looking at Argentina, Czechia, and I was thinking, oh, do you know what? Kind of romanticizing a little bit. Mm-hmm. But maybe it is a, a little bit pie in the sky. Um, but who knows? I mean, well, stranger things have happened. But I think the Czech Republic team, as you said as well, have improved a lot since the last tournament and uh and yeah it's it's probably probably as homer simpson said a fridge too far um and for brazil i think brazil coming into it i think i mean you know me as i said earlier on we i like to lean into those those warm-up matches and they were very handsomely beaten by denmark especially in one of them 33 16 um when you're losing that badly i know it's one thing to lose a game but looking looking a, a little bit a little bit shaky there but I'm sure we'll trust what, what Lara said when the tournament gets going. We'll, I'm sure we'll see 
see a different Brazil team. So I'd imagine, for me, I think I'd say <clears throat> Group H, I think it'll probably stay exactly as it is there. Netherlands, Czech Republic, Argentina, and then Congo. I think that, that Argentina-Congo match is going to be a, a hugely physical game as well. Um, and then Spain to top Group G, then probably Brazil, Ukraine, and, and Kazakhstan. That's what the way I think it'll finish. Ah, uh, Spain, not looking... They're not the same team as old, but you know it's kind of uh, it's kind of the opposite of groups E and F. There, the the two groups that are coming together in G and H uh, are much weaker overall. So I think um, you know for Spain, even though they're not as strong as they used to be, they uh, will probably still have enough to to win the group G and also qualify then for the quarterfinals. Um, we got Lara's predictions. I want to save our predictions for the next preview podcast when we have Alex in with us so all three of us can give them uh, uh, together. But I'm going to make a statement now because we did touch on Denmark. I think it's going to be Denmark's year. You heard it here. Wow. Probably not, not first, but I think it's Denmark's to win this time around. That'll do it for our first of two previews. Uh, the next one we'll bring to you on Thursday. We'll be a little bit of a uh, a review preview as uh, the beginning of this world championship is very oddly spread out with three opening days wednesday thursday and friday so we're going to speak uh, to somebody over in norway after the opening games there and uh, get the skinny on what's happening particularly the norwegian women not wanting to interact with children is it true we'll find out on Thursday, but until then, <laughs> from Brian Campion and myself, Chris O'Reilly, it's goodbye. <laughs>